college football talk like you've never heard before. The pinky finger goes up the nose. From the tailgates. He is a terrible tipper and a terrible human. To the touchdowns. He's going for the corner. He's got it. We have everything covered. Place at the table. (laughs) Here are your hosts, Patrick Maher and Andy Staples. His squad is in the house. All right, Place at the Table podcast edition two. Download and subscribe, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, pattpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at pattpodcast. My name is Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles. Andy Staples on the planet somewhere. And as we say hello in addition to a Place at the Table just like we dialed it up, it was going to be Virginia Tech, of course, in West Virginia, Texas A&M and UCLA, the two biggest, most exciting games of the weekend. But of course. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, just to kind of set the table here, place at the table, uh, we're doing this on wow, a Sunday night. Synergy. And literally, Andy, I mean, we're doing this two seconds after these two games have wrapped up. I, and, I mean, un- unbelievable. I don't – I'm like been – or Jack Buck here. I, I don't believe what I just saw. <laughs> I don't believe I, it. I, well, the, okay, the Virginia Tech-West Virginia game was a, a conventionally good game. It was just fun to watch. Yes. UCLA-Texas A&M was bananas. UCLA wipes out a 34-point deficit to beat Texas A&M, which, and it comes down to Rosen. It, that was, I mean, I'm watching these two games side by side, and you mentioned it, the first game, you know, uh, Fuente and Virginia Tech against Holgerson, who's lost his mind with Greer. Uh, the first half was boring, and then the second half was completely wide open. It, well, it, it wasn't boring if you were a Texas A&M fan. No, I'm talking oh. about I'm talking about West Virginia. Oh, Virginia well, yeah, Tech. yeah, yeah, yeah. 10-7 no, halftime, 31-24 final. Quarterbacks needed some time to get loose. Yeah. Defenses needed some time to get tired, and they both did get very tired. Uh, you, you saw cramping on both sides. But, <laughs> yeah, Greer was just airing it out at the end. <laughs> Greer is a cocky weirdo. And you can understand why Florida, not just the steroids, but his attitude has always kind of been a concern. And, dude, he's celebrating with 11 seconds to go picking up a first down. Eh, whatever. They stopped the clock. <laughs> he did. He should have got out of bounds late there. How was how he going to get out of bounds? There's a guy <laughs> dragging him down. I think his hair slowed him down. You know, they're showing Frank Beamer, and you've mentioned this, and I think it's a great call by you. One, the two biggest recruits by Justin Fuente were Bud Foster, defensive mm-hmm. coordinator, and yep. then keeping Josh Jackson, the redshirt freshman at quarterback, keeping him there because he didn't recruit him to Virginia Tech. Yeah, uh, and now apparently Josh Jackson was a factor in the QB competition last year as a true freshman. Hmm. So – they liked him, but they picked Gerard Evans, and that apparently is not just something they said to pretend there was a quarterback competition. He really did let him, give him something to think about for a little while. So uh, now you're seeing as a red, redshirt freshman why he gave him something to think about. And look, if he's going to play like that, uh, Virginia Tech is uh, is going to be a factor in the ACC Coastal. West Virginia had a, an opportunity to to help out the Big Twelve and didn't didn't take advantage of it, but. I do think they are going to be pretty good in the Big 12. And, you know, there are a lot of plays. There are a lot of eight-yard slants that West Virginia runs that Virginia Tech tackled because Bud Foster is their defensive coordinator. Yeah. But guess what? When they're playing Baylor and when they're playing Texas and when they're playing Kansas and when they're playing Texas Tech, they're not tackling that guy at eight yards. 
He's gaining 30 yards. All right, so here's the thing, and the Big 12 needed this game. West Virginia needed this to kind of yeah. some retribution for the Big 12 the conference we've been talking about, a bounce-back season. Let's set the table, all right? So where are you, by the way, dude? I'm in Atlanta. <laughs> of course you are. I, uh, I was at Alabama, Florida State last night. I will be at Tennessee, Georgia Tech tomorrow night. Ooh, you'll sleep well tonight just thinking about that Alabama-Florida State game. Oh, it was very interesting. I don't know what you're talking about. All right, the two biggest games from the weekend, of course, Florida State, Alabama, and then Michigan, Florida. We're going to get into those. Instant reaction from the big games tonight. Let's start with what a lot of people that watch college football for, the quarterback play, and Josh Rosen, who, dude, his his offensive line wasn't doing him any favors early no. in that game. No, I. that's the thing. UCLA was getting whipped on both lines of scrimmage in the first half. And it was one of those things where you could not envision a scenario where they came back no. because how would all of a sudden their offensive linemen and their defensive linemen get tougher and more physical? How would that happen? But it did. I, I, I don't even know how to explain this. Now, Nick Starkle getting hurt for Texas A&M changed the dynamics of the A&M offense versus the UCLA defense. I think if he'd been healthy the entire game, this comeback probably doesn't happen because A&M scores a few more points. But I don't know how to explain how all of a sudden UCLA could block <laughs> when they couldn't do it in the first half. Uh, I took live wagering, by the way. I watched that game, and I said, A&M is just going to absolutely roll. I took live wagering in the second quarter, A&M laying seven and a half points, and I thought it was a lock. I mean, it was a 34-point deficit that rose yeah. in. And, I mean, that was – a tale of two completely different ball games. The fact that they were up 34 that early and Vegas says, eh, we'll favor my seven and a half. Yeah. It tells you all you need to know about Texas A&M. It really does. It, it really does. So those two games tonight and really exciting games. And we'll get into the weekend as well. Place at the table. A lot of questions answered over the weekend, but also more questions as we leave week one, essentially week zero, then into week one. Uh, can we start, though? Because I want to get to Alabama, Florida State. Can we start with Michigan and Florida? And, yeah. I, and I have to say, I'm sorry to you, and I'm sorry to the planet. I, t I brought up two quarterbacks, and you were so spot on with both of them. Bouchelle at Texas and then Francois at Florida State. I said, are these sophomores going to have breakout years? And you pumped the brakes on both of them. Yeah, now the Bouchelle thing, I thought he'd be better than he was, but he didn't get any blocking. He had no help. So maybe he gets better as the season goes on. Franks also didn't get Felipe much help. Felipe Franks, no, not but, at all. But he, was, but he looked like he was playing his first college game. Can you, was. can you okay so you are a Florida alum so mm -hmm. no but you're not biased Andy Staples is not biased uh, answer this is it one Jim Harbaugh is just much better at what he does than McElwain or anybody besides Meyer and Saban or was the talent discrepancy just that much weighted to Michigan I think it's more of choice a Okay, Harbaugh, because if you and you watched it closely, it was just a better football team, a more prepared football team, much more disciplined football. I mean, think about it this way: Michigan threw two consecutive pick sixes. Yes, that would cripple most teams. They didn't blink. They bounced. They bounced right back. Nothing changed. They did put a corn in for a little bit, but then they put Spate back in, and he was fine. No, I, I mean that is a that is a very disciplined team. And think about that. 17 guys starting for the first time on that team. 
or you know first time as regular starters. Unheard of, so, really. Yeah, I mean, it, and, and they didn't miss a beat. Now I, I've been telling people, and no one will listen to me, that it's all Jim, or it's almost all Jim Harbaugh recruits now. That suggests to me that they will be better than they were, not worse than they were, because I trust him to recruit more than I trust Brady Hoke to recruit. It, it's a dude in McIlwain that is built through offense, and I got to be honest, the Florida defense is still really good. Like it that, is. the Florida defense yeah. was what kept them in that game. It's a it's and, a it's a pro. I mean, it's a good defense, but the yeah, offense is terrible. They're gonna have the same season they've had the last two years. The difference is, the rest of the SEC East might have finally gotten off the Schneid and gotten better. So they may not be able to take advantage of that same season with yet another SEC's title, because if you watched yesterday, you saw Vanderbilt's better, South Carolina's better, Georgia's better. We'll see about Tennessee. But they can't be the same team they were and expect the same result. It, it won't work, not with the schedule they got. You mean South Carolina, the home of the 2017 Heisman Trophy winner and Jake, Jake Bentley? Jake Bentley? Woo! Well, no, no, and it was so important. We'll get to – I mean, NC State, this was supposed to be an up year for them. Uh, I always said I love Will Muschamp, let's be honest. But Bentley was a guy that got in there as like an 18-year-old, played last year. And we loved him, but didn't know. It, it throws a beautiful ball. And South Carolina, NC State, might have been the most exciting game of the week. One of the most exciting games of the weekend. That, that Bentley it, is a stud. I think it was the most interesting game of Saturday among the Power Five on Power Five games. Because I, I, I can't think of any other one. I mean... Alabama Florida State was was interesting until the end of the third quarter. But I can't think of any other ones that were really all that compelling until the Sunday night games. And can I also say and we'll move on from it but uh, South Carolina wide receiver you. Now I'm not even talking about Robert Brooks and I'm not De- talking about Debo Stu- coming. <laughs> yeah, but hold on. Sidney Rice, Alshon Jeffrey, Troy Williamson, Kenny McKinley. You go Farrell Cooper and Debo is here. Debo coming. Debo, yeah, Debo is here. Been waiting for Debo to break out. It's because he's you know he's good. Yes. But it, it was just a case of you know he he showed he showed up too late. Imagine if Connor Shaw had had Debo. If Con well Connor Shaw is a great college quarterback, but ben, oh no doubt. I, I think Bentley has, and you know what? He's nineteen, Andy. Nineteen as a yeah. sophomore. Because they played which, which him, which was last supposed year. to be as a sophomore. Well, yeah, but you know, but they played him in what no, it, six or seven so he, games last he, year. He skipped his senior year of high school, right? And he was an like, early. He's so young. No, he's not. He's a southerner whose dad was a high school football coach. <laughs> so naturally, he redshirted a year during during school. So now, by skipping his senior year of high school, he just got back with his normal grade. All right, so here's what we're going to do, uh, Place at the Table podcast on the Sunday broadcast. We'll just go up, down. We'll get to what's good with Andy. And, of course, Andy Staples, my name's Patrick Maher. Uh, but as we go up, down, we, we have to start with the Big 12 Conference. We have to start with what happened early Saturday. Uh, Texas, of course. DJ Durkin was pointing to next year. Okay, Bouchelle got outplayed by Piggy. This was Maryland well, was not supposed then, to be good this Pickerum year. And got hurt. Pickerum got and hurt. The freshman came in. But they love that kid from DC though. The, the yeah. freshman that came in. But let's start with Tom Herman, first year Texas, Ohio State to Houston. He had players at Houston, and that was not. Maybe we overvalued Charlie Strong's recruits. That wasn't a very good football team at Texas. I. 
I disagree. I think there's talent there. I just don't think I, – I, I don't know how you get them to mentally change. But they, they are not a team that understands how to win. But physically, they have what they need. Like, most teams would kill to have their receiving core. Their offensive line's not perfect, but it, it's, it should be passable. Their defensive line's actually pretty good. Their secondary is kind of, well, I don't know. But they have athletes. There's, there's no reason for this. Andy, they got beat by Maryland. Maryland I know. Is, Mar- Maryland they got beat not, by Kansas last yeah, year. But I know, None but, of it makes any sense. But Maryland is not a good football team. Maryland is going to be a, a, a an okay football team. Okay, but that that but that's no it's excuse, Texas, dude. Right, you're Texas. You're at home. You've got a new coach. There is no excuse for what happened. None. You can't. I mean, and and I'm trying to figure out. Okay, is this all first game under new staff? There's some you know logistical things you got to work out that don't quite work out. Are, are these things correctable? Okay, I'm not sure this is correctable. It didn't look like a team. I mean, every time that they punched Maryland, Maryland came back with an overhand. Like, that was yeah. – it's a team that mentally is not – Maryland that, came back with an uppercut every time Texas punched them, and then whenever Maryland would punch Texas, they would just fall down. Mentally weak team, and to be fair, South Florida's gone 2-0, but South Florida doesn't look like a world beater. I think it's a Charlie Strong thing. Well, the thing is, Tom Herman's had nine months with him. Fair enough. You know, it, it – it's time for them to not not be the way they are. And I, I, it's, I struggle to even describe it because it is so mystifying to me how such a large group of people who are very good athletes, who had scholarship offers to other schools, it's not like Texas just was, was slumming it and took bad players. They no. didn't. They just didn't. Don't know how to win. And you watched it in the third. There was a sea change where Texas had an opportunity to beat that Maryland mm-hmm. team by 30. And yep. Maryland would come back and hit a 30-yard pass. Whatever it was, it was just mentally there were holes for Texas. The third and 19 that Cassine Hill <laughs> converted. How do you let a true freshman quarterback convert a third and 19 on you right. when you have a chance to win the game? Because if, if they stop them there... Texas scores and wins the game. Right. I'm convinced of that. But they how do you let that happen? I don't know. I don't know. But but that's that's Texas in a nutshell right there that play. But they they just don't get it. They don't get what you have to do to win. Arrow points up for the Big 10 there, down for the Big 12, and then let's continue to go down for a conference in the Big 12 that we've talked about getting better this year. Matt Rule did an amazing job at Temple. Temple got blown mm-hmm. up. By the way, we've got to get to Notre Dame and offensively what they did. Uh, but Matt Rule takes over a program just in disarray at, at Baylor. I don't care if you're in disarray. You do have to beat Liberty. Well, you do know what Liberty's quarterback's name is, right? Go ahead. Buckshot Calvert. <laughs> it's the best name in college football. It's on his freaking birth certificate. Now, it's his middle name. But only because his mom wouldn't let his dad name him that as his first name. <laughs> he was 48-45, Liberty under Buckshot, beats Buckshot Baylor. Calvert. I know, but it's a Big 12 football team, and you're getting beat by Liberty. I, I don't – how can you beat a person named Buckshot? He can't beat How's Buck, that even bu- he Buckshot. He <laughs> okay, your obsession with Buckshot rivals your obs- obsession with Dabo, who we'll get to, but – 
again, Big 12 Baylor, who just years ago were contending for a national championship. And we understand what happened, but still get beat by Liberty. No, there's there's no excuse for that. None. None, none whatsoever. No excuse for UNLV to lose to Howard in the greatest point spread upset in college football history. But the Baylor thing is 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 kind of weird because... And you're a rule guy, to be fair. You're a rule guy. Oh, yeah. He did a great job at Temple with athletes that were not as good as the teams he was playing a lot of the time. Uh, He got them to overachieve. He certainly didn't get Baylor to overachieve, and and he's going to have to because the thing is he inherited a bunch of good athletes at Baylor. The bottom's going to fall out at Baylor in the next year or so because they had two recruiting classes gutted by the scandal. And so if you can't get this group to win, you're going to have – Big problems down the road, so they're going to need to get that straightened out. Now you mentioned the big; it's a, it's a little overblown. The biggest upset in college football history, the way it's worded, but you're right. Howard catching 45 points beats UNLV. Now UNLV under Sanchez, second year, supposed to be like kind of on and up. You can recruit in that area, but they got yeah, but they're they're not that good. No, they're I mean, not that good, and they don't the facility. But they got beat 43 to 40. So put it this way: if you bet a hundred bucks on Howard to beat UNLV, you won fifty five thousand dollars. <laughs> So that is a ridiculous spread. Uh, UNLV, not very good, but still uh, getting beat outright by Howard. And and by the way, did you see who the kid, not even a quarterback, not even a running back, just kind of a player for Howard is Cam Newton's brother. Well, no, he's the starting quarterback. But they, you, they, Newton. but yeah. I'm saying he was a he was a recruit as a guy that nobody had a position for, and so yeah. they they just took him and were like, okay, we'll do this and we'll just use you as yeah. well, a quarterback. And, and, and Mike London is the coach, the ex Virginia coach. Oh, that's right. So it's a really it's an interesting situation. I actually talked to Mike London. Oh gosh, right after he got the job, and he was talking about trying to rest- basically bring some pride back to that program because it, it had just fallen on really hard times and. You know, it's a it's a proud school that just they didn't have much to cheer for. And now (laughs) this is I think they're expecting some big things, but this is bigger than anyone he ever had at Virginia. All right, so Baylor and Texas embarrass the Big 12 tonight. If you're just joining us here, Place at the Table podcast, West Virginia falls to Virginia Tech. Let's, before we move on from the Big 12, talk about some of the positives coming out of the weekend from the Big 12. Place at the Table! <laughs> Oklahoma. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Look, now, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's going to score a billion points this year. Yeah, yeah, but that was, okay, Tulsa's not bad. That was no cupcake, and they humiliated Tulsa. Tulsa was a 10-win team last year. They averaged 11.8 yards a pass attempt against them. Right. That's nuts. So, yeah, I, I, I stand by my Oklahoma State playoff prediction from earlier. Uh, I just I like watching that offense play. It's fun. But Oklahoma was, was very effective. Now, look, they're playing UTEP. We will know all we need to know about Oklahoma come Saturday. Yep, Oklahoma, of course, a big game coming up on Saturday. Now, let's go to – now, you were, you're were you in Atlanta, so you were at Florida State, Alabama last night. I was. Okay. So, first off, if, if, if you haven't heard, you're under a rock. Uh, Francois, out for the year. Sad for the kid. But I mentioned this to start the podcast. Uh, Bouchelle wasn't impressive. Francois was not impressive, but most importantly, I believe Florida State was gaining about a yard and a half per run. Alabama's defense was absolutely demolishing Florida State last night. 
Yeah, now Alabama's defense also some bad injury luck. They lost Christian Miller and, uh, and two linebackers, another linebacker. Yeah, today. So that's we'll see because Alabama has the best depth of anyone. But they, this last year they could have survived that with no problem. This year they're not quite as deep. The potential for playing having to play somebody really young, but you saw. I mean, Raekwon Davis is a bunch of new players in the front seven. Yeah, they destroyed them. And, and that's, the, a, that's a good team. <laughs> wait, did you, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Breaking news on a Sunday night from Andy Staples. Did you just say Alabama's a good team? No, no, Florida State. They just destroyed Florida State's offense. And Florida State is a good team. Florida State is, has a good offense. Like, Florida State will move the ball just fine against everybody else. Even with James Blackman playing quarterback. Like, Cam Akers is going to gain tons of yards against everybody else. They could not do anything against Alabama. They, it was, and Francois kind of looked rattled even before the injury, and he's out for the year, uh, just the sophomore redshirt. But it was, it was just, it was a disjointed game. You said it was, I mean, there at the stadium, can you kind of set the vibe for us? Was, was it more Bama? Was it more Florida State? It was pretty even, and it was, the game itself was even until the end of the third quarter, or I guess right at the middle of the third quarter. Everything, you know, because Florida State's defense was playing about as well as Alabama's defense was. Right. I mean, Florida State's defense is, is salty. Josh Sweat and, and Brian Burns are, are going to give quarterbacks nightmares in the ACC. But Alabama had hit one big pass from, from Jalen Hurts to Ridley, so they had a lead. But it seemed like if Florida State could just pop one play or make Alabama make a mistake offensively, they'd be fine. And then all of a sudden, everything falls apart for Florida State on special teams. They get a punt blocked. Their defense comes out, actually makes Alabama lose a yard and forces a field goal. But on the ensuing kickoff, the Dylan Moses, another five-star freshman for Alabama, knocks the ball loose. Nuh-uh. Alabama recovers. Alabama scores. And then all of a sudden, Francois throws two straight interceptions. FSU just melted down. Bad interceptions, too. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's what that's what Alabama does to you. Like Alabama attrition. makes it's those, like attrition, right? They just start to yeah. it's like a, a, a wave coming in. Well, they they make that play. There's that one play in every game with Alabama where it's a special teams play or a defensive play, a turnover of some kind, and the other team just cannot recover. Like one mistake piles up. It's almost like uh, it, double or nothing betting. You start chasing, and all of a sudden. You're, you're in very deep trouble because you, you lose once, you lose twice. You, and in Florida State's case, they lost four times in a row. And, and now they're down 24-7 and Alabama's got the ball. And what are you going to do? Some would say Bama coaches them up. Oh, of course they do. I'm <laughs> just being facetious. So I remember <laughs> before the game, we said Florida State, Alabama, whoever loses that game, don't worry. You're still a playoff contender. Uh, Florida State simply not feel, a playoff feel contender. Free to worry. What is it? Blackman's the kid that came and didn't even throw a pass. He'll start the freshman. James Blackman, he's from Belglade, Florida. He just got there two months ago. He, didn't, he wasn't even an early enrollee. Welcome. Florida State has some messed up quarterback class balance because they had to throw some dudes off the team. Uh, DeAndre, uh, sorry, DeAndre Johnson – Punches the girl in the bar in 2015. He gets thrown off the team. Uh, Malik Henry was the guy that came in last year. He was suspended very quickly, and then very quietly in December, he just transfers. So they have this weird class balance where they have two true freshmen and a redshirt junior who has never really competed for the starting job 
even though he's had opportunities. So that's where they're at. I don't know if that's a recipe for a uh, for a national title contender, especially in a league that has some really good. De- I mean, they got to play Miami and NC State's D lines in consecutive weeks coming up here this month with a true freshman quarterback. I, I I don't like that look, even even though Florida State's defense will probably keep them in every game. Outside looking in ACC, not I mean Florida State, you can just eliminate them. Let's be honest. So Florida State take a, a step aside. But Clemson, Kelly Bryant comes in, handful of new skill position players. I mean, they played t- Kent State, but it was it's not Deshaun Watson. But Kelly Bryant, we talked about this in the last one. He looks the part, dual threat, and Dabo's just recruited his balls off there. Yeah, that's the thing. They just reload. And I, I had somebody tell me, watch C.J. Fuller, that, that he could be potentially better than Wayne Gallman was. Hmm. You saw some some big plays from him yesterday. Now we're going to find out about Clemson real quick too, because Auburn comes in this week and Auburn looked great on defense last night. Now, granted they were playing Georgia Southern, their offense, they're playing without a bunch of guys and they still move the ball really well. So if Clemson can do, you know, I don't, they're obviously not going to do to Auburn what they did to Kent state, but if they can win that game fairly comfortably, I I feel very comfortable saying Clemson's a, a playoff contender and a national title contender even without Deshaun Watson. And I know people think it was all Deshaun Watson that caused that, but it's just not true. And I bring up the ACC to continue with last year's Heisman winner in Lamar Jackson. Now, we understand Brahm's going to do things at Purdue. Their coach, no offense, the last few years, was it was almost an embarrassing program. Brahm's going to turn that program around. Louisville holds on at Purdue. Lamar Jackson, I think he, I think he almost totaled 500 yards of offense, but yeah, it was a was, sloppy-ass win for Louisville. It was, and uh, the line blocked better. The line's problem last night was – false start penalties if they get that cleaned up and they can actually block eh, they got something going there and I, I think the ACC Atlantic the dynamics of it become more interesting now with the Francois injury you know because it, there was a very clear pecking order before with Clemson and Florida State at the top and then you had Louisville and NC State but I think this sort of muddles the whole the whole thing now so Louisville's got a shot but they got to clean up the the sloppy stuff and but they were a sloppy team last year, too. But these numbers, I mean, 378 passing for Jackson, 170 yards. That's just normal. He's going to break a bunch of records, and he's going to average four to 500 yards total, like per game. But they, the amount of you know procedural penalties and just sloppiness, it's, it, it's not a good look for Louisville. No, but it, it is kind of what we've come to expect. So this is, this is what happened to them at the end of the last season, too. If they can clean it up, they, they have they have a chance. But you know, the, this is not not really any different. So I don't know if you change your stripes at that point. There's a Bobby Petrino joke in there somewhere, but <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm still searching for. All right, so ACC. Let's shift to the SEC I, again. Just like I threw out Florida State, let's just put Alabama. I feel like we've covered that, right? Is there anything oh, about yeah. Hurts or anything else that you want to say about Bama? I thought Hertz looked more confident throwing the ball, but you look at the numbers and they, they're not particularly eye-popping. But I think against a normal defense, they're going to have no problem moving the ball at all. There's a very good chance Florida State's the best defense they'll see all year. LSU and Auburn will have something to say about that, but I think that's 
it, it's quite possible that, that Florida State was the best defense they see all year. We could spend an hour on South Carolina, just the dominance. Well, we could. <laughs> just you know, they dom- got, but they got statistically dominated and still won I the know. game. I know. Trust me, I know. I watched the whole game. And but again, NC State. This was. I mean, what what, what is my man Doran or whatever his name? This was supposed Day to Doran, be. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, quarterback play was there was that was where the discrepancy was NC State mm-hmm. versus uh, Bentley was just much better well and and so you you know the the, the deal with the the coach com stuff the, the the equipment that allows them to talk to the coaches in the press box was broken in the first half Aww. so neither coaching staff got to use it well apparently that severely inhibited South Carolina in terms of calling defense Traveris Robinson had to run down and, and work from the sideline instead of the press box. Must champs obviously on the sideline. So they had no no eyes in the sky. And you kind of wondered, like, how are they not noticing where Jalen Samuels is every play? Like, yeah, he's a stud. NC State's going to go to Jalen Samuels pretty much every other play. And they, for whatever reason, in the first half, they never seemed to know where he was. And in the second half, they always knew where he was. Yeah. They had the, you know, the, just they had one run of just incredible stops and they had everything working again and they had their normal procedures going again on the sidelines and i i think that helped their defense a little bit but i was really impressed because look nc state's not the best offense in the world their defensive line is really good but the their offense is not the best in the world but it's pretty good and a south carolina defense that got out just basically out talented a ton last year did not get out talented no Back and forth, back and forth, score, score, score. But I was catching eight points with South Carolina, which I thought was a gimme. Uh, yeah. Catching eight points, neutral field, and those were two pretty evenly. Just watching talent. Vegas had NC State by eight. I, had, I, I yeah, I was catching eight. Wow. And I think Bentley, yeah, that's. I think Samuel and Bentley. Honestly, I think Bentley could grow into a super quarterback, not just a good one. He could. He could. And they. Uh, they. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they didn't get Hayden Hurst involved much in the passing no, game yesterday. Not at all. And he's a potential big time weapon that, depending on the defense they're playing, they might be able to exploit. So I, that's the part that that's crazy to me. And and we always wondered what what will Will Muschamp look like when he had a quarterback. Apparently, he he's not as bad as a coach uh, as bad of a coach as everybody thinks. Well, Driscoll was. I mean, come on now. He had recruits. He just. The, Stuff got weird at Florida, which is even weirder because he kept the same offensive coordinator on to Columbia that he had in Florida. Yeah, but if he'd had Roper the whole time at Florida, it would have been different. Remember, Roper, Roper came from Duke, third, right? Yeah, Roper was at Duke with Cutcliffe. Roper was the third ah, offensive coordinator under okay. Muschamp at Florida. Uh, you, so you had Charlie Weiss at first, which the original sin of Will Muschamp Gross. as a head coach was hiring Charlie Weiss as his offensive coordinator. That started the downfall. The second guy he hired Brent Pease came from Boise State wasn't bad but made some questionable choices for example he gets there and and I don't I'm not going to kill him too much for this because he had just gotten the job he's you know he's just evaluating in a place where he's not used to evaluating recruiting an area he's not used to and he faces a choice of which quarterback do I offer a scholarship to Uh, he's got Skylar Mornenweg on one side Marty Mornenweg's kid who he knows and then you've got a big rangy guy at a tiny, tiny private school in Deltona, Florida, who runs a you know an offense that doesn't look anything like what you want to run, named Paxton Lynch. Which one do you take? 
Well, Fuente's happy he didn't take him because that got him a job He's at Virginia Tech. Very happy. But so that was, you know, but that's sort of how things went with Florida. And then the, the funny thing is, when they fired Muschamp, Will Greer was redshirting that year. Mm-hmm. So he was on the roster. And do you know who, who probably would have signed with them it had Muschamp and Roper still been at Florida? Who? Lamar Jackson. Oh, he's not bad. Yeah, we just he's talked okay. about it. Well, did you say that? Did you say Greer was uh, redshirting or yeah. steroiding? Well, I, I mean, judging by how the test went, may, possibly both. All right, I don't know. SEC though, so Florida down. Let's go up. You 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 painted this picture perfectly when we were talking about Ogeron and LSU. Canada uh, the offensive coordinator. They bring, you said however he surrounds himself. But let me just say. LSU beat up BYU twenty-seven to nothing. BYU couldn't even muster a hundred yards on offense, and couldn't he, cross the fifty. Dude, I don't know if you watched it, but it was actually it was a depressing game to watch. I don't know if that was LSU or just BYU deficiencies, but it was a depressing game to watch. Yeah, it it, it was an interesting deal, and I remember this this morning seeing some people on Twitter saying, "Well." Why didn't I thought Canada was supposed to throw the ball around? He and, ran. Uh, no, can Matt Canada featured James Conner at Pittsburgh last year. Of course, he's going to feature Darius Geis. But Edling was very efficient. He did what he was asked to do. So my guess is he will be asked to do more when they play Mississippi State a week from Saturday. You know that the, the, that's the big question. That's sort of the, the litmus test. When Edling is asked to do more. And those receivers are asked to do more. Can they do it? Because that's the only way you beat Alabama is with a more diverse offense. That's a defense that can slow down Alabama and give you a chance to win the game. But the offense, as you saw with Florida State, which had a decent offense, could not do anything against Alabama. The offense has to be diverse. It has to be tough. It has to be physical at the point of attack. And you got to be able to run some tempo. Canada's offense at Pittsburgh could do all those things. We'll see if he can do it at LSU, but I thought that was a very promising debut for them. Yeah, I agree because they showed one aspect of their offense and LSU- and they didn't they didn't have to run a lot. So, they you know, a lot of the stuff that that's in their playbook, they don't have to show until Mississippi State. LSU up. George, you see Georgia splitting reps with Eason. Georgia beat uh Appalachian. Well, no, no, they weren't splitting reps. He got hurt. He's got a sprained knee. So Jake Fromm. Oh, because I t- when I turned in, I'm like, why is Fromm? I didn't understand why he was in. I guess I didn't even realize he was hurt. No, he sprained his knee in the first quarter. So Fromm comes in, and there's a little bit of that dude about Fromm. Yeah, I like the way he played. Like, like he's he's ne- not necessarily good as good of an athlete as Aaron Murray, but he's got that personality in a more prototypical quarterback body. Uh, Fromm's not a great deep ball thrower, but. He seemed to move the offense well, and, and that was the issue last year is the offense didn't move very well. Now, we're going to find out, I guess, probably in the next few days and weeks how bad Eason is hurt. Uh, there was some Wally Pip discussion going on. <laughs> let's put it that way. I mean, it, it, it's, it's an interesting situation because let's say Fromm takes them to South Bend and the offense, again, is moving the ball really well. Well, if Eason comes back healthy – do you say, hey, Jacob, thanks for playing your freshman year, uh, but we're, we're moving the ball now, and we can't really change anything. Over, Do you say that to your five-star recruit? 
Yeah, that was – and Eason was such a big recruit there at Georgia. I, it was – I mean, again, but it's Fromm, App- Appalachian but, State. But Fromm's a, Fromm's a Georgia kid. That's So the politics of it work two ways. Eason was a five-star recruit, but Fromm is from Warner Robins, Georgia. And you mentioned the sw- he kind of had a swag about him. It kinda, he just kind of yes. – yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, so Georgia yep. they beat up on Appalachian State. I don't I don't know what you take away from Auburn beating up on Georgia Southern. Anything? Not not really. I mean, I we'll we'll know about Auburn when they play Clemson this week. And you know, I'm I'm very curious to see because it's not Auburn's offense I'm worried about. It is Auburn's defense. And if Auburn's defense is is as good as it was last year and Auburn's offense is better, now you got something cooking. So, this could be a fun team. But how how will they handle Clemson and all those weapons that Clemson has? Because, you know, Kelly Bryant stepped in there like he'd been starting there his whole life. Right. And I think, okay, so SEC, you take Florida, you put them over here, but I feel like SEC uh, played well. I mean, uh, overall, they didn't really play. Generally, any, yeah. But, you know, I mean, if you just think about it, if Florida would be the one glaring. And, again, Florida two years ago got beat up by Michigan in the bowl game as well. So it's like Florida yes. just does not – I don't know if it's a McIlwain-Harbaugh thing, but they looked completely completely outclassed. They're a bad matchup against really good teams. <laughs> that might be that's, an issue that's, for that's your program much how, moving forward. pretty much how it goes, at least how it's gone the last three years. I think if we moved and, and shift now to the Big Ten Conference, okay – Penn State throw that out. They beat up on Akron, fifty-two to nothing. But they look smooth. Yeah, I mean they're, they're I, especially. I, I was impressed just, by that. I mean, yeah. I say especially offensively when they shut out a team, but offensively they do. They have wide receivers, Saquon Barkley, Trace McSorley in another year. It's just going to be a. It's a tough team to beat. Yeah, yeah. I was I was impressed with, and then Ohio State. So many you know, weapons offensively for Ohio State. Pe- people are going to say, well, they were they were struggling with Indiana in in the second half. Indiana has made them struggle over the last few years. It was a Thursday night game opening week on the road against a divisional opponent. I'm sorry. Those are hard circumstances for any team. You you never want to be a road favorite on a Thursday night ever. That's a hard. It's a really tough place to play from. And so they took the punch. They weathered it. And then they turned on the Jets there in the in the third and fourth and quarters. JT Barrett struggled so it's like whether it was they Dobbins did. or whomever they just uh, uh, their weapons <laughs> JK Dobbins is sick I mean but no it's Meyer Meyer just I think his recruits right up there with uh, maybe not Saban but it's they just throw weapon after weapon and speed and speed it's crazy yeah and and so it seemed like Kevin Wilson figured out what he has in JT Barrett as the game went on though because they, they were Again, calling a bunch of deep shots, it felt like, early. And that's what the two guys last year did, is they called a bunch of deep shots or they called a bubble screen. Well, he's not good at throwing deep. What he's good at is making, when, when he has a, a choice of two or three receivers out there, running intermediate routes, he will find the guy who's got five yards of grass around him and throw to that guy, and that guy will run all day. You saw that with that Paris Campbell touchdown on the drag. Yeah, they can do that all day to teams. So it's just a matter of calling that stuff. Conference points up for the Big Ten because one Maryland wins. 
Uh, to Utah State, you know this, it, always tricky. They always cover as a gambler. I always know Utah State's going to cover. Yeah. Uh, but they, they, they battle. They, 10 un, uh, unanswered, and then Wisconsin turns around, comes out in the second half, and goes ap- absolutely monkey poo. Uh, yeah. So Wisconsin, 59-10 to 10 over uh, Utah State. But, but again, just to be fair, Utah State generally a pretty good team. Yeah. Uh, they weren't very good last year. Uh, Matt Wells was a little little concerned about his job, but uh, they did they did put up a fight. And Wisconsin is the most maddeningly consistent team in college football. Like if you're playing Wisconsin, you kind of know what you're going to get every time. And it's still it's probably frustrating as an opposing coach because no matter what, they're going to start rolling at some point. Yeah, they're tricky offensively and, and start moving the ball, and they're going to throw to the tight end. And yeah, I, I just. I thought Wisconsin. I thought I thought Iowa's offense looked really good. I just Brian think, Ferentz took over. Yeah, and they they a lot of that NFL stuff where you know there's basically two levels of receivers in the play action game, and the quarterback has a choice to throw to the guy in the front or the guy in the back, and the defense just can never figure out how to cover both of them. They scored a couple times on that against Wyoming, and uh, I just I thought they they did a good job. Nathan Stanley made good choices with the ball. Iowa could be better than we think. And conversely, Josh Allen, don't take too much. But his, the offense, the way it was being run, it just seemed kind of antiquated. Or maybe they're just Iowa's defensive front was that good. I think they were trying to keep him from throwing a bunch of interceptions because Josh will go gunslinger. And they he threw a bunch of inter- interceptions against Nebraska last year. So I think they were trying to take it, you know, be very conservative. If, if Iowa was not going to, to blow their doors off offensively, they were going to be conservative and, and try to pick their spots, but you got to let the guy use the God-given talent every once in a while. Michigan, I, I, okay, they'll do it against Oregon. They'll, they'll do it against Oregon because Oregon, Oregon doesn't doesn't stop anybody no, at this point. So. Still don't. Okay, so just as far as a conference-defining win, we can say Michigan outclasses Florida. That's one up for the Big Ten over the SEC. Um, mm-hmm. So if we're looking at this. You know, ACC maybe takes a step back. Big 12 takes a huge step back. Uh, SEC treads water. Big 10 up. Let's move out west here and Pac-12. Um, row the boat, baby. Row the boat. All of a sudden, Western Michigan comes out to L.A. They Give don't me- row the boat in Western Michigan anymore. They don't, the, boat, the boat's moved to Minnesota. The shtick yeah. has left, of course. But obviously, it's still players left behind. Yeah, and the thing was, like, I, I never understood why I already assumed that USC would just roll over Western Michigan. This is a team that played in the Cotton Bowl last year. And I get that P.J. Flex gone and the quarterback's gone and the receiver's gone, but there's still a bunch of players who've played in big games who aren't going to be scared of that. And so, yeah, they, they pushed USC a little bit, but USC came through. Now, I, I, after watching that, I'm not confident that USC is going to beat Stanford. No. I don't feel real good about that right now. So was there something about USC in particular? I Again, it, Fleck left players behind it. Fleck didn't have anything when he got to Western Michigan. He recruited well for what he did in the Midwest, and there mm-hmm. were players left behind. But the talent eventually wore down Western Michigan. And, and, and Darnold, it, it, I mean, people, you know, if, if you look at Allen and you look at some of it, Rosen now comes on late in the second. Darnold played well in the second half as well. Yeah, it, it it's. I think Darnold is going to be fine no matter what. No way. 
<laughs> That's your guy. That's your my boy. boy right there. Your man crush. No, he, he's fine. The, the, the question is, will their defense hold up? You know, Stanford seems to have uh, found the tight end again. When Stanford can, can throw to the tight end, that's a very tough offense to deal with. And USC just has not matched up well with Stanford. Play. But Ronald Jones, in the, when, he, when he breaks loose, is, he's a difference maker running the ball. And you mentioned it as far as turnover on the offensive line. But USC just has, and you, you talked about, because I was wondering, were the athletes there? And you were like, yes, they just compl- they, they've reloaded. And the sanctions have moved on, and they're ready to go. They, they recruited well through the sanctions. They actually did a pretty good job of selecting guys, uh, even when they had limited scholarships. They, they got a lot of talent in there. But uh, it's, it's, it's interesting because I don't know that their talent is that much better than Washington's talent or that much better than Stanford's talent because both those programs have also recruited very well. Okay, Pac-12 continue. Stanford, I think you you called us out on. We talked about this a few weeks back, and people saying it was going to be a surprise team because up front they're so good on both sides of the ball. I don't think Stanford's going to surprise anybody. I just think they're going to be a really good team that's in it late in the year. Yeah, well, they're going to be who they are, and it's going to come down to the Stanford Washington game for the North. And Washington just annihilated Stanford last year. I don't. I, maybe things will change as the season goes on, but. I, I can't imagine that happening right now. Any concerns for Washington? They do travel across country to Rutgers. Rutgers, a team that's completely rebuilding, obviously. And has hot tubs in the stadium. Which is embarrassing. That's the most Jersey thing ever. Who are they, the Diamondbacks? It like, was but, awesome. What, okay, so, but. Bunch of, bunch of Jersey dudes and Jersey chicks. It's it's all fun and games in September. But what, what happens in December when. Or not, or in November when it's freezing outside, and you know, you're fine in the hot tub, but then you got to get out. I thought Browning might have died early in that game. That when was that when that cornerback came off the edge, I believe, yeah. and it was just absolutely disgusting. Yeah, that was that was rough, but he was okay. And they, I mean, they started slow, but they're a fairly methodical bunch. So so is Peterson, just as a coach. You know what I mean? He's methodical. Yeah. He builds. He does what he does. Yeah. So I, I that. That slow start against Rutgers didn't worry me too much. And now they have the best schedule of, of the bunch. They don't have to play USC during the season. They, you know, they would only face them in the Pac-12 championship game. Their non-conference schedule is bleh. So they better, <laughs> they better go 12-0 or 11-1. With the UCLA win over Texas A&M, that's another thumb up for the Pac-12 of course SEC so I mean again it happened tonight it was a 34 point comeback uh but Pac-12 stats that keep coming in off that game are are just ridiculous Rosen's gonna have to carry that team obviously well yeah but the thing is what's very interesting about it is they do have some other talent on that team and the receivers were were unbelievable at the end of that game right very sure-handed. Uh, defensively, they got some pass rushers. It, it, they just needed to wake up. What I meant was just first half watching Rosen with that cover, like as far as the protection he had, was non-existent. Yeah, especially on his blind side, it just felt like he was just absolutely running for his life. Uh, but you mentioned it. You see, uh, this is a make or break is a tough way of saying it. But Mora has had quarterbacks and had talent defensively at UCLA, so this is an interesting year for Mora. It definitely is. I mean, he's not as he's not under as much pressure as Kevin Sumlin is, and that's regardless of the the result 
of that game, someone was already under more pressure because UCLA doesn't really want to fire more. I don't think they want to spend that money. But if if you can't break through with Rosen, then you got to think about maybe making a change. But they've got talent that they can they can play with everybody in the Pac-12 South. There's no reason they couldn't. And you look at that second half tonight. So in a 19-minute span, they they had touchdown drives of 75, 85, 96, 74, and 66 yards. That's nuts. I don't care how bad Texas A&M's defense was. If you can do that against them, you can you can score on just about anybody. If you can score the way they did and with the with the frequency they did in that second half. Yeah, that was that was a shocker because I was most for I, on both TVs, but I was focused a lot on Virginia Tech and West Virginia. And then out of nowhere, they just started just accumulating. I mean, that was nuts. Well, Rosen was just uh, Rosen's improv game is unbelievable because A&M was still getting pressure. It wasn't like he's sitting back there in a clean pocket. You know, he, he's running for his life a lot of the time and finding guys. And then that last touchdown he did the Dan Marino against the Jets thing. <laughs> know, he did crazy. the fake spike. He's a, in play, he can just spin it too. I mean, he, obviously you can throw the ball, but that was when he. Th- There's a couple. I thought Goff in college, to be honest with you, just threw a beautiful ball. I think Bentley does, but Rosen is. I mean, he can just spin it. He can, uh, and, and it was interesting because you know after the last few years of not particularly great quarterback play in college football, to be able to flip channels tonight and see Josh Rosen throwing the ball flip flip Will Greer throwing the ball flip flip Josh I I mean you're you're watching some some dudes who can really fling it and you know let's see we'll see if Josh Allen gets a chance to do it if if they don't hamstring him with the game plan but yeah I mean Jackson Jackson's more of like a flick of the wrist I like that that always amazes me about him like he just he generates so much velocity with just a tiny flick of his wrist oh you meant darnold uh all right place at the <laughs> table podcast he's at, okay too at p-a-t at p-a-t-t podcast you can follow so there's a little i mean that's a look at every conference that's a look at we're power five conferences uh the big games from the weekend but i would say alabama florida state michigan florida and then we were treated to when normally you're going to watch NFL. I thought the two be- two of the best games, obviously tonight, A and M and UCLA and West Virginia and, uh, and Virginia Tech. That was nuts. Yeah, that was absolutely fantastic. And now we were stuck with boring NFL games on Sundays. Which after this, the, which they are very. All right, he's in Atlanta. Name a city, and Andy has eaten there. Choose a restaurant, and he'll break it down better than a cover two defense. Let's find out what's good. Hot Lana, known for no, well, nobody calls it Hot Lana. Wait, hold up. Either he was eating or he was getting lap dances because everybody knows Magic City. Everybody knows when you go to Atlanta, even if you are married, you got to hit the strip clubs and Here, the staples. Magic City, where all all the fresh new hip hop is broken. <laughs> I read that in a magazine. I once. would imagine outside. I would imagine outside of where you live, Atlanta's probably a city you've spent more time in than any other city in your life. Uh, in terms of big cities, yeah. I interned at the newspaper here in college, and I covered two SEC teams, so obviously you have to go to Atlanta for a ton of things. So, yeah, I've, I've, I have spent quite a bit of my life in Atlanta. All right. What's good? What would you eat? So I ate at a place called Oi. I'm a, 
I'm staying up near the new Brave Stadium. And the reason I'm doing that is because the hotels were outrageously expensive downtown because you had the, the football games, you had Dragon Con, which is a uh, big sci-fi thing like Sounds Comic-Con. Yeah. So basically like a bunch of 350-pound people dressed like Khaleesi. It's it's not good. <laughs> That's embarrassing. There's a lot of fat spilling out over over uh, very lacy, frilly, or possibly fur-lined things. Hmm. And uh, it's not it's not cool. Uh, so I'm up here in the Burbs because that's where the cheap hotels were. I went to a place called Oi in Oy. the Vining's na- neighborhood. Yes. Uh, O-Y, ex- exclamation point. The name is questionable. Uh, it does stand for overindulgent yumminess. No, it would, special- if, there was, if there was a question mark, it would be a questionable name. Oi? Oi! Oi! So their specialty is... My, it's not my favorite bread, but it is definitely my favorite bread name because every time I see it, I, I have to say it the way Ja Rule said it. Lay it on me. Holla, holla bread. Yeah. Wait, isn't that from the Middle East? Uh, Which is it's all good. A tra- it's a traditional Jewish egg bread. Oh, Patrick. egg bread. Yes, shalom. Yes. So, holla, holla bread. So, so yes. So what they do with challah, and, and challah is an interesting bread because it's really thick but also really soft. So what breakfast dish is perfect with really thick, really soft bread? Eggs Benny? Oh, no, French no, French toast. toast. French, French toast. toast. Yeah. So they cut, they cut it into real thick slices, and they make French toast out of it. Actually, they make it almost like a French toast pie, and it's, it's unbelievable. And it's only the second best thing on the menu because they also take the challah and they make it a crust for a, a souffle where they mix in a bunch of scrambled eggs and Swiss cheese. Oh, my God. I would eat that for every meal. Wait, did you have whatever you just said about scrambled eggs? To, uh, challah souffle, But yeah. did you also have French toast in the same sitting? Uh-huh. Challah? Oh, yeah. I also had buffalo fries. Oi. Yeah. They have these really good fresh cut fries, and they'll put pretty much anything on them. So I had to, I had to put buffalo sauce on them, uh, just because I figured Atlanta's the brunchingest town in America. I despise brunch because you know by its very nature it means you're skipping a meal, mm. and I don't believe in skipping meals. That's personal. But I I do believe in eating breakfast for lunch, and but I figured this is a brunch place. I'm gonna try some of the breakfast stuff and some of the lunch stuff. The fries were outstanding. Like I didn't understand on the menu where it said. Um, you could get the fries in meal size, like a meal of fries. And you dip I your love, fries in what, by the way? Uh, well, you don't have to dip them because they'll cover them in whatever you want. Fair enough. I mean, the, the, the topping list is about a mile long. So mine was buffalo sauce, bacon, and uh, I think some blue cheese crumbles. Holla. It's pretty good. Yeah. So they don't. it doesn't go with the holla French toast very well. Right. But I compartmentalized <laughs> and, and did just fine. And so, oi. Is uh, if you're stuck in the suburbs in Atlanta, if you're at some convention at the uh, the Cobb Galleria, you can just ditch the convention, go to Oi, you know, wheelbarrow yourself out. It, it was a, it was a fine find. I was I was very very pleased. I because I don't like going to the hot place in town because the hot place in town is always either downtown or in some hip neighborhood, which means you can't park, you can never get a table. It's always a wait. I like I like it when I find the good places in the burbs, because oh. 
You can park. You can sit. They don't rush you out of there. That's it. I mean, so Oi, and I'm sure you can find it at SI.com. Andy does, of course, uh, his reviews. for. It'll be in my punt, pass, and port column uh, that, that comes out on Monday. So you can read all about it. So what's good with Staples this week here on Place at the Table? Oi, holla. It was good. Holla, holla. I listened to that song again for the first time in about 15 years. There you have it. That's what's good with Staples, Place at the Table podcast. What did we miss, dude? I feel like we covered it all. I know that Florida State, we, Alabama. We, wait, was, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. We mentioned Buckshot Calvert, right? Buckshot. Shout Just to Liberty. Sure. Shout to Buckshot's parents. Um, Florida State, Alabama, boring. Michigan beat up on Florida. Florida is their bitch. Uh, tonight, Will Greer's lettuce. You, was say, all- you say that like you think it's going to hurt me. Well, I'm it not trying not to be. Dis- I'm not trying. Oi, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Oi, Will Greer, uh, his lattice was tight, but Virginia Tech under my boy Fuente beats, and then Rose. Or as Brian, or as Brian Greasy kept saying, Fuentes. Yeah, I didn't understand why he was adding an S for savings. Um, <laughs> well, you you went to college in the South, so it's it's sort of like the redneck thing where you add an apostrophe S to everything. If we go, we're up, going, we going, we're going to eat at Panera's. We're going to shop at the Kroger's. If we're going up, down, real quick, or you can just go sideways. Thumb, Pac-12. Side uh, up. I'm, I got to give UCLA up. UCLA up, 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 up. Big Ten up, up. ACC. Down, down. SEC. But Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech has a chance to tomorrow to make that better. SEC, SEC generally up, other than Florida. And then the Big Twelve. Down. Baylor lost to Liberty. Yeah, I'd say big time down because of the Texas Oklahoma loss. needs to beat Ohio State real bad. That's that's what that means. Last year, Ohio State went to Norman and were disrespectful. It was over by halftime. That's. That's basically what happened. He's it Andy, was not pretty. He's Andy Staples. You find him on Twitter at Andy underscore Staples. SI.com. What's good? Oi is good in Atlanta. You can find us. Holla! P-A-T-T podcast.com. Find us on Twitter at P-A-T-T podcast. And you'd like to email with inquiries about getting paid right here. You can find us. Place at the table pod at gmail.com. Last thoughts. Staples. I am ready to learn something. I don't feel like week one teaches us anything. We just overreact to stuff. So I'm ready to actually learn something. Ohio State and Oklahoma, Clemson and Auburn, USC and Stanford, teach me something. False. We learned Jake Bentley is Joe Montana. Till next time, place at the table. Crossed with Dan Marino. Dan Marino.